Headliner Radio, the creative voice. Hello, and welcome to the Emerging Headliner podcast, powered by Source Elements, where today we are joined by the brilliant Eliza Shaddad. Eliza, thank you so much for joining us today. How are you? Hi, pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me. I am, yeah, I'm well. Thank you. Good to hear. Uh, How where, are you? Yes, <laughs> I'm very well too, thank you. Uh, whereabouts <laughs> are you uh, joining us from? Uh, I'm coming from Cornwall, north coast of Cornwall. Very nice. Um, um, yeah, and it's, it's it's beautiful. I can't lie. It's really beautiful. <laughs> oh, I feel very lucky to be here. <laughs> good to hear. Um, so I um, was hoping to have a chat about the new record, which um, is coming out later this year. Um, is there a release date set for it yet? I I'm not, there, there is, yeah. 16th of July. 16th of July. Fantastic. Yeah. Um, so I wanted to talk to you a little bit about how that record has come together and some of the stuff that you've been up to since the release of the last album back in 2018. Um, but yeah, this record, what can you tell us about the origins of the album? Uh, when did you first start writing it and uh, kind of laying down some of the tracks? Because it's been since the last album, I know you've released a few EPs. Um, when did you decide to begin work on a on another full-length album? Well, I would say that the last EP came out in January of 2020 and immediately after that I was like, okay, what's next? <laughs> um, <laughs> and I kind of, honestly, most of this, despite being like, okay, what's next? Um, I was on tour at the time around Europe with Keen and then we had a headline tour and then Corona hit. So it was all more of a theoretical thing. And then suddenly it was a very real thing because I had loads of time and obviously lots of feelings about everything that was happening so just kind of really tried to channel it into into a new project and that was in kind of March April of 2020 and so most of the songs from this forthcoming record were written in that exact period of time um, but there are a couple that I have kind of been playing one especially I've been playing live for a while and I just haven't felt like it fitted on a record yet but I felt like this is its time <laughs> um so we kind of wrote for a couple of months um once the first lockdown kicked in and then I think we started tracking mid-May last year and it was about six weeks of recording here from home <laughs> in like a bedroom studio basically which is quite quite different for me my my experience so far has been quite incredible working in a beautiful studio in Devon with loads of incredible gear and the lovely Chris Bond and Bear Bond and I kind of had this set formula that was working really well and that I loved but that just was not something that would work during corona mm. so tried a really different route with my new husband who happens to be an amazing producer <laughs> um so yeah that was a very lucky um and yeah that that's that's basically how we how we got started making it okay great i mean that's uh how was that change you know thinking you were going to be making it in this big beautiful studio and then having to transfer that process to doing a bit more of a diy setup at home was that something that you were able to just kind of just get on with and uh kind of proceed as you were before or did it change fundamentally the direction the record was going in and the overall sound of the album how how, how did it impact the the resulting record well i would say that originally my kind of hopes for this record were that i would take my actual live band into the studio so previously it's just been me a producer maybe an engineer kind of thrashing 
out from the demos that I kind of come to the studio with. Um, and then with the, with the EP actually that came out between these albums, it was very much a case of I'd quite like to take back a lot of control and try a lot of different things, but still sort of finding my feet. And with this record, I was like, I want to go into a big studio with my whole life band who are all, I mean, they're some of the best players I've ever met. Like they're incredible. And I just thought, what a, what an amazing direction it will be for me and for the music for us to really get the feeling of us playing live into the records. Um, so I was pretty disappointed <laughs> not mm. to be able to do that. And, and I worried at first how it was going to affect things. And I wondered about the song choices and the things I was writing because they felt kind of, um, it didn't feel originally in terms of instrumentation like it should be a bedroom record um but honestly the more i wrote in march and april and the more kind of introverted and introspective the songwriting got i felt like okay this could actually be like just a slice of time kind of record it'll be a lo-fi minimal production bedroom record to (laughs) to reflect the times we are in um but then as soon as we start, I think we started recording with uh, the track Heaven that came out recently. And as soon as we start, uh, I just felt really free to experiment, basically. Like I'm working with, there's no pressure. There's no, there's no like outside interference. There was nothing. I, I wasn't working with my old management, my old label. Like I pretty much had complete free reign and I was working with the person that I pretty much trust most in the world. So it was like, okay, well, what should we try? Let's try this. Let's try that. Let's try this. And I think that... It, I don't know, I think it, in the end, as soon as we started adding instruments that I'd never really contemplated adding before, like harmonica, for example, I was like, oh, this is giving me Alanis Morissette vibes. Yeah. <laughs> I'd be like, let's just turn up the drums a little bit. Okay, but how about some power fills here? <laughs> and, um, and after we'd finished the first song, it's like, this is not going to be a small bedroom record. <laughs> like, there is no way that at the end of this, we're going to come out with like nine lo-fi miniature songs like there there's you know there's a lot of i think there's a lot of power in there and i feel quite proud really that we managed to achieve that in this in this exact room from which i'm speaking to you (laughs) wow i mean that's great that you were able to to kind of capture some of that that essence that you you know thought maybe you wouldn't be able to to find doing it in a in a diy setting Mm. um i was wondering if you could tell us a little bit about um how the 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 the, the kind of sonic blueprint if you like for this record because with the eps that have been released since the last album it feels like you've really pushed both ends of the spectrum creatively so you've released some of the heaviest sounding music that you've made you know heavier than you know perhaps anything that had appeared on the first album and also some really delicate music like blossom which is a really soft kind of beautiful track have you been deliberately kind of exploring these different extremities um and is that something that will be reflected in the album or is it just a matter of just you know songwriting and seeing what comes out organically and and that's what goes on the record i was wondering how much thought has gone into exploring those those different elements um so with the stuff that's come out in between the albums i think that there was it was a bit of a mixture. Some, there were a couple of things on the EP set deck, for example, that I had ready for the album, but they didn't kind of fit in terms of perspective. Like the future was very much about one, <laughs> it, the entire album was pretty much about one situation, like one one experience and all of the different ramifications and like 
um, points of view <laughs> that I had or could imagine about that one situation. And a couple of the songs on Septec, for example, just they weren't from the same perspective and they didn't fit in terms of a in terms of the concept and I think and in terms of the musicality I guess um so when that record came out I felt definitely like I wanted to push these different things that I hadn't found a way to put onto the album um so like One Last Embrace for example which is definitely heavier <laughs> heavier than heavy um <clears throat> but I also feel like there are I don't know if it's a combination of kind of personal situation like feeling a little bit less enraged generally in mm. life um <laughs> moving to cornwall being a bit more chilled out <laughs> um but also i think i kind of fell in love with um just some different records over the last few years for example like casey Musgraves golden hour for example and i just remember kind of listening to it and being like it sounds so beautiful and warm and I felt like there is space for me to bring that back into the music I think I kind of the kind of progression of my career is that I started very much in like traditional folk and very natural kind of natural sounding instruments and kind of droney layers and very much storytelling songs and as I kind of grew up I guess I wanted to delve more into grunge and I fought quite hard to get from this folk singer-songwriter space into this alternative indie space um and with the album future i felt like this is my statement i'm i'm <laughs> i'm feeling all of these things and i'm feeling really powerfully about them and i'm going to put that in a record and i've fought quite hard to like stick to that vision um and do you know after especially I think doing things really independently again I just felt like I can actually do whatever like I've made I've made that statement I'm really happy that I got to but you know what now I can just do whatever the hell I want yeah. and I'm, I've just been more drawn sitting in this room in the countryside no doubt and kind of being isolated from everyone and like craving kind of warmth and comfort and beauty um I think I've, I've, I went into this record feeling like I wanted it to sound like more hi-fi basically i didn't want it to sound as soon as we started i was like i don't want it to sound like we made it in a bedroom <laughs> like <laughs> i want it to be lush and natural and all of these different things that i felt a little bit like i had to kind of shy away away from previously and now i just feel like do you know what i'm kind of figuring out who i am it, within myself and as an artist and i feel like i i don't i don't have to stick to one thing i've got a lot more scope to explore different textures and like bringing in sudanese influences i just felt at liberty to to explore everything and long may it continue Absolutely. <laughs> so i feel about it <laughs> i mean it's you know i think you can really hear that exploration in the in everything that you've released so far I'm, I'm always really kind of excited and curious to hear what you release next because there's always it's always something really different it could be something really heavy then it could be something really kind of folky then it could be something that's a little bit more kind of alternative or whatever kind of label you want to describe alternative indie i don't even really know what that means do you know what i mean it kind of crosses so so many so many styles but there's always yeah always something something new and i, and I find that really interesting um so when you uh, realized that you were going to have to to record this this record predominantly in in a bedroom how did you go about making it sound like something that 
wasn't like a DIY record. How did how did you go about making it sound big and bold and um, yeah, kind of slicker if you like than a than mm. than a, a what one might imagine a bedroom produced album would sound like. Um, well, I've got a li- got to give a lot of credit here to Mr. BJ Jackson, who is the um, the producer um, of the record and who has done so much work <laughs> on things like drum sound, for example. Like for most of the record, um, we program drums. Like it's not real drums on a lot of it. There are a couple of bits where we had like previous sessions where I'd kind of tried working on a song before and we could luckily be like, ah, beautiful, real drums. But, you know, there was a lot of... I mean, it's a lot of hard work, basically, to get it to sound like we'd recorded it in a massive studio. And it comes down to the skill of of, of BJ Jackson. Um, I think as well as that, like every... I think opting for more like classical guitar, for example, things that have a um, more harmonics and kind of more natural reverberating sounds which even in a small room, like you get that sense of weight and space, I think from recording an instrument like that, I think that's kind of had an effect on it. And then I think strings, <laughs> I feel like if you would like an album to sound quite epic and like, there's no way you could have recorded it in a bedroom strings. And actually there are some, there are some real strings on there that we kind of, it's inter- interesting, like reaching out to people like friends and, people that you've worked with before or just random people on the internet being like okay we need a string lead line for this song what can you what can you do um so we had a bit of help with strings and also some lead guitar from michael kiwanuka i oh, know michael jablonka sorry michael jablonka who plays for michael kiwanuka um and then i think we kind of got to the end of the recording process and i felt like it is all of the parts that i want are there and it's sounding brilliant but I knew that I wanted it to be mixed ideally by someone other than ourselves and so we went through quite a long process of figuring out mixing and in the end six of the songs that are on the album were mixed by a guy called Sam Oakle um, who works at Abbey Road and does a lot of film scores and a lot of kind of really big projects that need a lot of space and uh, have a lot of gravitas and are very lush and are very hi-fi and um i think that the kind of final step in making it sound like it uh, giving it like the space it needed to breathe and the and the kind of weight and impact that i wanted it to was the final mixing basically done by him um on tracks like heaven and now you're alone that just kind of catapulted them into a much wider um, space, <laughs> literally in terms of meters <laughs> as well as in terms of sonics. <laughs> so, when it comes to things like recording demos or just putting rough ideas together for what's going to eventually end up as a song on the record, um, especially I guess during during lockdown period, have you been doing kind of home demos and things like that? Have you been uh, kind of developing your skills as an at home? producer i guess um mm. you know uh, i know that obviously you've been working with the producer for the album itself but yeah i was just just curious to know how much you've been uh recording demos and ideas yourself at home and if if so if you can talk us a little bit through um the setup that you have and and some mm. of the key pieces of kit that you've come to rely on sure um so i actually 
often suffer from getting too caught up in like the forthcoming record campaign and neglecting <laughs> songwriting. So at Christmas, looking ahead to this year, I set up a Patreon page that required me to send out like regular demos, um, sort of to hold me to task. So I've done a lot of demo making, luckily, <laughs> um, which will put me in good stead for the next record, which is good. Um, and yeah, I basically make the demos in this room like I songwrite on um, guitar, um, normally electric, more recently classical, um, and will generally write all the lyrics and the melody and the chords in that in the kind of in that space. Um, and then I'll move into here, and obviously I've got my Mac, I've got KRK speakers, little audience interface, little Shure SM7 microphone, and it's a very basic kind of setup. And then I rely on um, Kyle, who is my favourite Logic drummer, um, <laughs> and is always <laughs> my go-to man <laughs> for a kind of chilled Portland-style <laughs> laid-back <laughs> groove. <laughs> Um, and then, I mean, there's a bunch of equipment in this room, basically, like there's a little gem organ that has really good kind of lo-fi drum beats and really fun organ type sounds. Um, I work. What have I got? I mean, I've got about five amps just sitting under here, all different types. Um, but a lot of the time I'll just go straight into the box, basically, in terms of a demo, like getting ideas down. I think it's it's kind of nicer to work faster. Um, and... Yeah, what else tends to go on them? I think for for most demos, it's kind of it always starts out as just the bare bones, like drums, guitars, vocals, and then the longer it goes on, the more kind of harmonies are especially important. I think at that stage, um, and sometimes I'll try my hand at bass, although that is definitely not my strong point. Um, and yeah, some keys and generally a solo of some kind, like a guitar solo, more often than not. Um, yeah it's quite simple and quite nice and like nice and fast way to work and I've got some like presets that Ben's helped me out with in terms of like mastering basically like faux mastering at home um, and then yeah I felt really pleased when I first started uploading the demos because a lot of the patrons were like this is much much better quality <laughs> in terms of like the the, the finished demo. <laughs> um, I've I've actually found that quite hard to maintain as we get closer to the album coming out. Yeah. Now I'm like, shall I just send you an iPhone recording of me playing the new song? <laughs> Does that count as a demo? But <laughs> but um, yeah, I think making demos is kind of one of the funnest parts as well. Like because cool. you're just tinkering, aren't you? Yeah. Oh, that no, sounds great. I mean, have mm. you had much time to think about how you're going to translate these? songs live um because of you know where we're nowhere near back to normality of course with with regards to mm. venues opening and, and things like that but have you been thinking and planning for when venues do reopen how you're going to take this out on the road will you be using the same band as previously um yeah uh, i was wondering if you could tell us a little bit about your live plans mm, of course um yeah i mean i've actually at the end of last year, I applied for some funding specifically to put together like a live project um, to keep live alive <laughs> while there was nothing happening. <clears throat> and um, it's taken about nine months to bring uh, this project together. Um, 
and I got to actually do it in person last week, basically. And it was kind of the comp. I mean, I've never thought so much about live in my life, despite not actually having any shows to do in the short in the last nine months, at least. Um, but I mean, we've just announced uh, a twelve-day UK tour for November. So my eye was very much on the future. Like as soon as it seemed like it would be reasonable to trust that it would that live shows would be able to happen um, that I wanted to book a tour and so I'm super excited about that and all the more so because last week this nine month project came together which was an opportunity for me to play live with a 10 piece band which is the largest band I've ever worked with wow. um, all my usual folks plus a couple of extra hands and a string quartet and we basically have recorded three live tracks at Battersea Art Centre with an incredible production crew called Mad Cow. And they're all going to be part of a live stream event that celebrates live in all its different aspects and all the crew that make it happen and all the hard work that goes into it behind the scenes. Um, and we're just finalising the date for that. But I think the night before the album comes out. So I've been thinking about like what stems to send guitarists and all that kind of stuff for months, basically. <laughs> so I feel really, I actually feel quite prepared for November. I mean, I don't think it'll be possible to take a string quartet on tour in November, but growing and this last week has been a real opportunity for me to hear how much difference it makes to have, you know, one other person there, for example, on, percussion and bvs and harmonica do you know what i mean yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. i think the bigger the bigger we can get on stage the the definitely the more exciting um that, i mean that yeah, must so, have yeah, been I mean, that must have been quite an incredible experience to uh to have been performing with with 10 piece band and string quartet i mean how, how did that feel especially after having been off the road for so long mm. um honestly the day was so um I was in a bit of daze the whole day because I, I, it was just so, it was incredibly hectic leading up to it. Um, and I think I didn't, I since the very first lockdown, I've done weekly Instagram live streams on Friday nights just to kind of find a way to connect with people. And, and in my head, I was like, I'm just keeping it alive a little bit. I know it's not the same, but I still feel really good after I've finished. I still feel like I've connected with people. But the morning after this Battersea project, I woke up, I felt really sad, like post-tour blues kind of empty. Um, and we got a, a a gig offer in um, maybe an hour after I woke up and my heart absolutely leapt. And <laughs> the idea that I could get back in a room under slightly less stressful circumstances <laughs> and perform live with I mean, some of my closest friends and all these in incredible musicians just made me, I'm, I mean, I just burst into tears. Like it really made me realise how much it had meant to me. And I, I want to cry just thinking about it now. Like I think, I think um, there has been an element of, you know, I mean, well, perspective. So many people have been so badly affected by it. Um, and it's, it's, I think it's always hard as a musician or as an artist Well, it's 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 a tricky balance, I would say, between like how important your art is to you and how important it is in the context of the universe and everyone else's lives. <laughs> so I think there's been quite a lot of, you know, 
it's you know you you don't have it that bad you really can't you really can't complain compared to a lot of people but basically the morning after when I just thought oh my god we're gonna get to do it again I just I really realized how much I'd missed it and I really felt the full weight of like relief and excitement at the fact that it will happen again and yes November tour cannot come soon enough basically excellent Oh, well, you know, I really look forward to hopefully catching you on one of the dates on the tour. Um, yes, and wish you all the best with the, the record. I can't wait to hear it. Thank you so much. Anna, thank you so much for joining us today. It's been great. Pleasure. A pleasure. Thank you. Headliner Radio, supporting the creative community.